0: Welcome to the prepare like a pro podcast every week i host live chats via youtube channel with leaders in the afl and high performance industries join me live every sunday at 6pm where i debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests we drop an inspiring and educational episode every monday if you like the show please follow us on your favorite podcast app welcome back to the prepare like a pro podcast today on the show we have a two-part episode with sam newman Sam played professional football for 18 years, playing a total of 303 games. He has been inducted in the Hall of Fame and is part of Geelong's Team of the Century. During this part one of the episode, we discuss Sammy's upbringing and his football career. If you like the show, please share this episode on your Instagram story by clicking share on the Spotify. Let's get into today's episode.
1: Welcome, Sam. Well done, Jack. Um, did you read that or did you remember that? Remember that one? Well, that's extraordinary. I've been watching your stuff.
0: Oh, brilliant.
1: <laughs> no, I have no idea what we're doing, incidentally. I'm a um, technological Luddite. I don't know if you know what a Luddite is. We've got your fans coming in on over yeah, here. Yeah, if I've got any. Um, they're all saying some things. Yeah, I'd hate to, I'd, I'd hate to know what they're saying, but uh, it doesn't matter. We read out the good with the bad. We do. I'm not, not worried about any
0: of them. Let's uh let's dive into the very beginning, mate. I love like oh, yeah. to share people's stories. So, what age did you start playing footy, and, and where did you play? Yeah,
1: uh, I started playing football at uh, the school I went to all my life. Uh, started in the junior grade, then went to junior school, senior school, then went from straight from school to play with Geelong. Yep. So, so grew up in Geelong. Yep. Um like dad I was was st- master. Yeah, master at a boarding school I went to, and um, I went to. Boarding school all my life, and then um, left. Uh, in the last three games of uh, the '63 season, while I was at school, I played in the Geelong reserves on a uh, uh, on a uh, called a um, an exeat. I was allowed to go in from the boarding school to play in the last three reserves games to qualify to play in the reserves grand final in '63. Yep. And then when I left school, I started playing in the '34.
0: Uh, right. Okay. And how did you come to play footy? Like, was it your did your dad play or Yeah, what? my dad yeah.
1: played, but the school played and uh caught up with it and I was, uh, ah, well, I was a pretty schoolboy footballer, I suppose. Yeah. You'd say that? And uh, I got noticed by Bobby Davis, who was the coach of John, and he came out one day and to the school, the boarding school, and said, you better come to the football club and have a run. So I did. Very good. And and growing up, did you – I know you had two sisters. Yeah,
0: um, still got them. Did your uh, – did you like growing up? Did a lot of your
1: mates play footy? Yeah, or, we all uh, play footy. Yep, there cricket was, as well. Uh, there was uh, in the summer. There was at yeah, the school I went to. You could either play cricket or tennis. I played tennis, but I played football.
0: Yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And then so Geelong showed interest early.
1: Uh, Geelong played showed interest uh, while I was at school because well I was oh uh, yeah, I was a pretty good schoolboy footballer and uh, they're on always on the lookout for uh, what they think are potential people to play for their side the club. And so at, that's how. I,
0: at that point, was that when you first recognised? Okay, I've got a talent for this. So I'm going to pursue it as a career. Or did you? Nah. Were you working on it before that
1: point? No, nah, I wasn't working on it. It uh, just evolves. Uh, play football, and if someone notices you. Try to be noticed. But suppose if you get noticed, uh, then people come and show an interest in you. Supply and demand thing, Jack. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. And what what changed then when they showed interest? Well, I, uh, yeah. I left uh, school and started playing. Uh, that next season with Geelong went straight into the uh, senior team. Yep, twenty-four, and um, that was it. So I played for another eighteen years from finished in nineteen eighty. And then you were still living in the family
0: home while you were playing with Geelong. Moved out. No, I moved out. No, yeah. I
1: moved out. And uh, no, I moved so out. Grew up quick. Grew up very quick. Yeah, my first game was against. What well, was out? It was against Fitzroy out at um, uh, the Brunswick Street Oval, and then. I came on as a reserve in that game. And then the first real game, not real game, the first game I played on, I was a young strapping youth. I played on Paddy Godane from Richmond, whose uh, forearms were as big as my thighs. And he put the fear of God in into... the Of course, courage is not about physically being overawed, it's about uh, willing yourself mentally to do things against your better judgment. The final. So I, yeah, so I fitted uh, I, uh, myself against. Paddy Ganane uh, with fear in my body the whole game, but didn't show him that I was fearful. And how'd you go that day? Well, I got a game the next week so, uh, and uh, got a game for the next 18 years. Stayed in
0: mm. 18 years, so you, you have, obviously that's a long, long career. Yep. What were some of your highlights of that, of your 18 years? Oh,
1: surviving. Had a lot of injuries. Missed, uh, I've said this plenty of times before, but missed equivalent of five years of football, 100 games through injury. Which would be about a quarter... Of Ah, so, so it's just a mathematical. People say it's a mathematical proposition. So, Kevin Bartlett played for exactly the same long period of time as I did, but played a hundred games more because he played four hundred and three games. I played three hundred three because he didn't miss too many games from injury. So, comparing yourself against a pretty
0: high caliber player, like three hundred games is still, you know, exclusive I
1: know this, club. Well, well, it is, but there's, as I say, it's just a if you. Any good, if you're in good in re- relative terms, you keep getting picked, and if you keep getting picked and you play for 15 years these days, uh, in our day, um, um, there weren't as many games played, mm-hmm. uh, but and all the finals, so I played in a lot of finals, but uh, they just just added up mathematically, so uh, that's how Michael Tuck, for example, plays 400 and whatever he played, because it's just an injury thing.
0: Mm. Mm. yeah Shambo burgling played. A fair bit, and
1: just recently. Uh, and uh, the, the uh, and, and who's the a few who's the record holder? Of North Melbourne, no, I should not know. Brent, uh, no, Brent Harvey. Is see, see the record holder. Did he beat Tuck? Yeah, he beat beat Tuck because he, I think he, I think he, uh, settled, I think he was a reserve or an emergency. I don't know. I think he played the few games on the bench. I was like a med sub. Got got uh, Michael Tuck. I think that ticks. That he <laughs> sat the on the bench for seven games and got the record. So 18 years at one club, did you ever think about moving from Geelong? Or uh, yeah, no, July, uh, Richmond showed some interest in me in 70, uh, 76. Yep. And, uh, uh, so player, did you have an agent back then or was it just, yeah, they just went straight to you? Sort of an agent. Yeah, no, I hadn't. Uh, sort of an agent, not really agents. No, they came to me and said, would I be interested? And I was living in Melbourne in those days and Geelong wouldn't clear me, all that. Oh, right. No, but not that I had anything against Geelong, so I stayed uh, with Geelong, yeah. Very good. If, if any of you guys streaming in, whether you're
0: from Sammy's Instagram or watching from the Prepare Like a Pro platforms, want to ask Sam a question, we'll spend five minutes mm. or so uh, at the end of the podcast mm. for answering a few of the fans' questions. So all you need to do is head to our YouTube channel, Prepare Like a Pro, and the chat box there to send your questions. Okay, so you, so 18 years footballer. Um, you mentioned your highlights. What about your biggest challenges? Uh, you mentioned some of the injuries, injuries yeah. that you faced. What were your biggest challenges as a player and what did you grow? How did you grow as a person from those challenges?
1: Well, uh, what, I, what I learned from playing football is um, just overcoming the adversity of uh, of the game. It was a pretty uh, it was a pretty tough game back when I started. When I say tough, it was pretty uh, brutal and mm-hmm. a lot of it's been taken out of the game now for one reason or another, for the fact that we live in a litigious society and uh, in this woke world that we live in, we've got to be very careful about how we go about life in general. But uh, in those days, it was uh, almost anything went. And um, so you had to grow up pretty quick, uh, quickly uh, as far as school and self-preservation goes. But uh, people say if you had it over, would you do anything different? And of course you wouldn't because you don't get it over. Uh, I really enjoyed it, loved the competitive aspect of it. Uh, we played in an era when you actually played against someone. Uh, You actually had a physical opponent and you know who you were going to play on uh, before the game started and uh, during the week and you prepared yourself to play that person. Um, uh, Now, people just, there's no set position really on any part of the game, but uh, to the chagrin of the game, in my opinion, but anyhow, that's only a subjective thing. Uh, If you like the way the game's played now, good on you, that's terrific. It's a very popular game, Um, but... Some of the best football, I think, was played decades ago. If, if Geelong didn't show interest, and I assume there was other clubs, that would have, yep. but
0: let's say you didn't play as a professional footballer, yep. what do you think, where would your life sort of gone down? Uh, the road?
1: Probably, probably would have concentrated on uh, athletics. Yep. So like Kuda? Yes, as we, have, uh, we had this discussion with Kuda the other day. We had yeah. him on athletics. Yeah, you yeah. cannot be serious. And, um, yeah, I was... Said I was a pretty good schoolboy football. I was a pretty good schoolboy athlete. So, uh, what events, um, what events? The hurdles and one um, hundred mm-hmm. and ten meter hurdles, and it was called one hundred and twenty meter hurdles in those days before decimal currency. And um, four hundred yards, yeah, four hundred meters. So, but uh, uh, football, uh, I, I played football.
0: Yeah, yes, that's impressive. So, four hundred meters, and you are a ruckman, and then hurdles as well. You need it, so you need a lot of mobility for hurdles through the hips. Yeah. and then you got to have speed but speed endurance as well yeah. as a 400 so do you reckon those like was that common for footballers back then to be doing athletics and have that sort of athletic development from
1: not track really, and field? not really but um there's all different sorts of uh, makeups physical and mental and um that make up footballers and uh, i was probably one of the more athletic yeah. uh, uh, players but there's plenty of players that are great that not necessarily great athletes. Now I played with and was in business with a man called Doug Wade, who wasn't a great athlete, but my goodness, was he a great footballer! Just he was uh, mercurial. I think is the word. I mean, do anyone know what that word means? He he was the best kicker of the ball I've ever seen. He could kick a torp, and I know we people exaggerate all this. He was a 65 metre, 70 yards, or 65 metre torp kicker any day of the week. He was just brilliant, but wasn't a great. At, didn't have a great athletic body. He'll be happy me saying that, but he would—he would, he would yeah, concede that. But craft. he was—he was a phenomenal footballer. And I was in business uh, for ten years with him, selling ladies' hairdressing products uh, all around Victoria. That's you what we to. did. Yeah, we did. We How did you a, get into that? Ah, uh, well, Doug's uh, wife was a hairdresser, and she said, "Why don't you get into this?" Uh, this was football days. It was during our football days, and uh, we did—we got into it. Bought a company in Geelong, and. Uh, then expanded uh, into Melbourne and went all around Victoria doing it. A-
0: and that was your first sort of business venture?
1: Uh, yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah, it, it was, yeah.
0: Okay. And then, so obviously you were big in the, in the media world. When did that start uh, to eventuate? Like, were you playing? I know you did a bit of like no, modelling stuff. No, no, I, was,
1: of- I was the captain of Geelong and they uh, had a very good year in 1965 and I won the, what was then called the Truth Kazali Award. Which was hosted by the late Ernie Sigley, and um, I got to the function at the uh, um, the um, hotel where it was, uh, where the Beatles stayed. Where was that? How am I going?
0: I should ask my dad. No, the, the Beatles, the Beatles stayed
1: at the uh, <laughs> in top of Melbourne, at top of uh, Burke Street, in Melbourne. Yeah, fancy me not be able to remember know. that. Anyhow, uh, and um, so we get to the uh, function, and uh, Jack Dye, who was going to be one of the presenters had a car accident on the way to the... And they said to me, I was sitting at the table with the group of, you know, we just guests, and they said, would you mind filling in for Jack? Uh, and I said, filling in for Jack, doing what? And they said, oh, presenting a couple of things. And I said, ah, oh, how would I do that? And they said, well, we've got a whole lot of list of sheet, a list of running sheet here. I said, it's no good giving me that. I'll just, I just did it off the top of my head. Yeah. And uh, that seemed to... Um, so why do you reckon they went to you? Why do they reckon they... Well, you first Is that maybe because I was I don't, I don't know why they went to me they just I was on the front table and they said, we need someone you're the captain As long, would you come up and do this and I went up and I, I did it sort of as I say off the top of my head't have any pre- yeah had to <laughs> I said i can't possibly follow that running sheet I mean have, seriously, and I asked some questions of the guests with little um, a little obscure little lateral little diverse questions that they yep. seemed to um think were different from the normal run-of-the-mill questions people get asked so yep. and i went on to the world of sport on channel seven for seven years and do you reckon that sort of that Absolutely. was the first time from that opportunity yeah. there where you replaced jack Dyer, you realized i this placed is, jack die that night, that I mean, night. yes yeah. not and i didn't sport yeah uh, I, I, and so i got on to that as a result of um, that sort of um, uh, that was that was sort of a Job interview, if you like, really. Yeah. I didn't look it at that, but they said, Well, you better come on that. So I went on World of Sport, and then that finished, and now I started on Channel 9. Amazing. Hmm.
0: So that's, that's yeah, an interesting story, right there. So that at that point, you didn't think you weren't looking into media or anything
1: at just, all. it, just, no. it just, yeah, just rose to the occasion. It just happens. And then Opportunities and, um, Built. Yeah, and then uh, Eddie came to me one day and said, uh, I know Eddie very well, but he said, I know who you are, and I've met you one, once or twice. He said, We're thinking of putting uh, show together on Channel 9 called The Footy Show, and we have a comedian called Trevor Marmalade and me, yeah. uh, Eddie, and he uh, said, so we need someone else. Um, would you be interested? I said, oh, yeah, I'll be interested. So we had a brief meeting for five minutes or so, and then yeah. we, we televised it on um, one Thursday uh, without having any idea what we were doing, and we just did it off the top of our head, uh, off the cuff.
0: The whole show, so no prep.
1: Well, they said, what we'll do is we'll talk about this, but we didn't have any notes about who we should speak to and how we should. We just sort of did it. Yeah.
0: And have you guys done anything together?
1: No. As a team? Uh, so uh, <laughs> Ian Johnson, the late Ian Johnson uh, from Channel 9, uh, 1993, I think it was, uh, he, he he gave us six weeks. He said, why don't you do it for six weeks? And uh, we had a sponsor. I think our first sponsor was a, 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 a massage parlor, I think. It was just late night television. I think that's right. Mm. I'm told that's right. And um, we did it for six weeks and uh, we had a very good reaction to it. Then we did it for another six weeks. And as they say, the rest is history. We did it for 25 years. Mm. Big trio. That
0: was uh, Eddie yeah. and yourself and trep Trevor yeah, Tre- was a classic. Yeah. We'll be right back after this short break to explain our most popular online program. This is more than just an online program, this is a virtual high performance program at its finest. Not only are you getting a structured strength and conditioning program, you're getting customised load selections and detailed video tutorials, so we're giving you guidance on exactly how much to lift, how fast to run and how to perform the movement. You'll be able to access your training program and upload your loads during workouts through our app on your phone. Our exclusive Facebook group gives you the opportunity to connect with a community of like-minded athletes and to continue to educate yourself about cutting-edge research and elite techniques for performance with our regular posts and discussion forums. The programs are specific with seasonal timing, playing position and age with your goal in mind. For example, an under-13s female midfielder wanting to gain critical mass would follow a very different program to an under-19s male tall forward wanting to maintain weight. The Prepare Like a Pro online program is an end-to-end coaching service without the big price tag. Sign up today to attack your goals and be the fastest, strongest, and most resilient version of you on game day. Fill out the Inquire Now page to speak with Jack about finding the right program for you. Welcome back to the show.
1: What was Trev doing before that show? Was uh, that, did that sort of put him up? I think so. He was a stand-up, uh, a comic, he was a comedian. Doing and work in footy, or I don't, no, I don't think so. I, yeah, I think he was just doing the the, um, the circuit, the comedy circuit, and um, so he was. Uh, he, he we were the foundation members, and then uh, Eddie left to go up to Sydney to run Channel Nine for Kerry Packer and uh, James Brayshaw and Gary Lyon. Um, took over hosting and then Rebecca Madden came on board and then Craig Hutchison uh, did some hosting for a period of time and um, um, I was probably the one constant. Trevor left to uh, go and pursue other interests and uh, I was sort of the one constant for the entirety of the show and uh, then that finished um, uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah.
0: Yep. yep, and Street Talks, how, how did that come about? So Well, uh, we went to... Uh, how did you create it?
1: Uh, well, to... Really created, um, I think Ed or someone said, "Why don't you go out and chat to the people?" There's this big game coming up, and I said I went out, and I think I might have done it on a tram. Got onto the tram with a microphone. And the camp said you go into the footy, and um, the people—I wasn't the talent on the street talk. The people we spoke to were the talent. They were just uh, just different people, just ordinary, different, everyday, run-of-the-mill people who had a very um, Electoral view of the world. Yep. And, uh, so you didn't then bodyguard at the start of it. Uh, we didn't know. We just used <laughs> to do it. And then uh, people thought um, we used to go out to all the different suburbs and used to say, oh, you picked the suburbs where you thought there were people who were sort of, you know, a little different. And I said, no, we didn't do that at all. We went to go to areas where the news was topical. Uh, sometimes we went into the affluent areas. Sometimes we didn't. It uh, just depends what the news of the day was. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we got rounded up by people for saying, oh, you're only picking idiots and all that. We never picked anyone. We used to get out of the car and the people would come to us and we used to put them on and they used to love it. So we had to make no apology for who we ever spoke to. We never got any, well, we got no one ever worried about us speaking because they knew what we did. If you didn't want to speak to us, don't. And if you do, they wanted to become television stars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andy Warhol's people famous for 15 seconds in their life. They used to love it, and so did we. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I'm
0: sure I wasn't the only one that tuned in just specifically for that segment. It was. Yeah, no, it was it the was most entertaining.
1: Well, it was the most popular thing we did on the show. But um, So the show went for 25 years, yeah. the street talks went for how long? Uh, well, we we did it for probably 24 years, and then people said, you know, look like this this vocal minority of people just want to complain about anything, said, oh, you're making fools of people. I said, are we really? Um, we had a journalist who wrote uh, some, um, oh, critiqued us for doing it, and I, uh, this uh, it was a woman. Yeah. It doesn't matter, but it was a woman. She said, oh, you're doing this. I said, well, come out and join us. So she came out, and, right. and I said, now, you tell me uh, who we should speak to and who we shouldn't speak to, because she said we pick out people to go and speak to, you know, that we'll make entertaining. I said, well, come on then, so you come out. So we got out of the car and the cameraman and the sound recordist and I had the microphone and this, I could see this person walk toward us and looked obviously honed in on us because every time we got out of the car, people would come out of the woodwork. Yeah. Would, would you announce that you were coming to that street? Not at all. No. 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 So the people just recognised in the moment. Yeah, of course they did. Yeah. And so this person who was obviously a little different, I said to the woman, Generally, I said, yeah. I Will I speak to this person? She said, Yes, yeah, speak to her. I said, You're all right if I speak to this person? So I didn't. So this person came, came up to, to me and started yeah. speaking to me and said, Ah, something like, How are they hanging? And I said to the journalist, I said, Speak to this person? Yeah. Or I say, Thank you very much. I said, no, go ahead. So I said, Well, they're hanging all right, mate. Uh, how are yours hanging? He said, Yeah. And he went on to speak about why his agates were hanging. And I, I said, Was it just a body? instigated would you like speak to this person she said yeah so we went moved on to someone else and then a, a woman came out of the woodwork somewhere and said oh, so just suddenly um, i said i said what about this i said well, why going on with this conversation anyhow by the end of the day he said yeah i see what you mean she said i, I don't think you've uh, encouraged any of these people Not sure that she gave me Cut me too much slack in the next article she wrote, but she actually had a bit of a different opinion. Turned, and yeah. um, I said, have we done any harm here? Mate, she said, don't seem to. Have. I said, do you think the people who we spoke to wanted to be spoken to? Yes, she said. So that's how it worked. But people used to scream at us and say, ah, you're just picking out people. So didn't pick anyone out. But anyhow, that's the world we live in. What
0: about the bloke on the back of the um, trailer? Yeah, Noo- he, no, that's right. I mean, so that was to- not
1: choreographed. That just yeah. happened we never choreographed him. We just away, never – people knew we were coming. Yeah. Uh, no, no, not knew we were coming. We would be out on the he street for an, an hour. Start. So yeah. when uh, obviously that man, I'm not sure if we spoke to him after or got him on the show, I can't remember, but they said, how did you – they said, I heard that you were coming. I got my mates to get go. We got a trailer. We went around to the hill I took my gear off. And we drove down oh, okay. the street uh, with a view to get the – uh, well, our, our package and our tackle, and myself on the television, so um, good publicity. Well, well, it was good for him <laughs> and good for us. But, but so we got another heavy belting saying we're lurid and rude and all that. So, sort of. but of course, it was water off a duck's bay. Didn't care. Right,
0: um, was it your favourite part of the show, like to run, like just because it's spontaneous, oh, like that Jack Dyer presentation? Oh yeah, right?
1: but you, it, 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 you know it, it wasn't quite a whole day to do get all the crew together and you'd have to drive out to we drove all over victoria doing we? we drove all over we did all over Australia and, um, um, and then we had to edit it I didn't edit it but the producers had to edit it to within an inch of its life because some of the things that people did and said were extraordinary and if we could put all the uncut stuff from Street Talk on a reel or put it on YouTube these days, I oh, took it around the world. Well, it was, okay, it was extraordinary. Yeah. So we had to be very careful about uh, put on. Uh, well, we didn't, went weren't that careful in the early days, but towards the end of it, we had to be very careful about what we said about certain groups of people who we offended, who what, what the innuendos were, what the rating on the show was, whether it was R-rated or general Tiltjeet, G- you know, the TG, yeah. all that, so we, and then, anyhow, it got too hard in the end, so, uh, so the, the station then got a bit jumpy, because the sponsors got a bit jumpy, and uh, so, in the end, I think I decided not to do it, yep. yeah, i said, it's not, no no point doing it, if it, if we we dumb it down and devalue it so much that it just becomes, you lose people, driver, it yeah. just lost its, um, yep, which, yep. yeah. That's the
0: way things roll. We're going to have a quick drink break, guys. Here's a video about our academy for our Patreon members. Hi, I'm Jack McLean, an AFL football strength and conditioning coach, and I want to introduce you to the Prepare Like a Pro Academy. Our academy yeah, is a subscription subscription-based platform true. where you can sign up to be a part I don't
1: of care. Community. the community. If you get to the end of each episode yep. we'll I'll just and are hungry we'll for ask. more, we'll this to is for you. To yep. Designed oh, well, for well, a questions, questions athletes and staff, you questions. so ask anything you want no, no limits to guests and submit questions. Access to our
0: Facebook group with Jack and other Prepare Like A Pro coaches. You'll be able to receive merchandise, program discounts, and freebies. And get free access to our live events, Excellence Technique Database, and much more. This is a great way for you to support the podcast, and it helps me with production and release of epic content for you guys each week. Your contribution goes a long way in making Prepare Like a Pro community possible. For a small monthly fee, you'll have access to all of the special content released on our Academy forums. There's no lock in, and you can cancel absolutely anytime. Welcome back, guys. Uh, we've got a couple of questions come through. So what are they? Jack Murphy has written, "Hey Sam, what was your favourite ground to play on?"
1: Uh, ones that I played well on. No, um, what was my favourite ground? Didn't have a favourite ground. Uh, MCG at finals times pretty hard to beat. Um, Jack. Jack is his name. Jack is name. Jack, yeah. Everyone's called Jack. Oh, um, my son's called Jack. You're called Jack. This man's called Jack. Uh, yeah, well, just uh, there were some MCG, quaint yeah. grounds like uh, out at Glenfree Oval. Uh, the train used to run down while you were playing, uh, down the side of the track. Um, no, probably the MCG is the favourite. Can't uh, be beat. Yep. Can't be beat, one of the great stadiums in the world. What was a
0: typical day, game day preparation in the 80s? Yeah. Did you personally have a pre-game ritual?
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, well, when I started... Because uh, I lived in Geelong, we used to get the bus, uh, the team used to assemble at the Cadinia uh, Park, which is the name of the ground, room. it's called, cool cool. well, I, I don't even know if it's a GMHBA ground, Park anyhow, we used to get the bus up to Werribee, walk through, because there the, the, wasn't a freeway then, we used to walk through Werribee, just to loosen up, play cards on the bus going up. Uh, get to the ground and um, and get strapped up. All those things get a massage, uh, and sh- strapped up uh, ankles and all that sort of stuff. Um, wasn't too, uh, not much different from today, I suppose. We uh, yeah used to warm up. It's not not much different. We didn't get overloaded with too many instructions. Uh, probably a good thing. And um, yeah, so that's what they probably do now. It might be uh, a bit more organised now, but um, uh, we were we were prepared. We, uh, we had to run onto the ground, yeah.
0: And which movie, this is from our Patreon members, which movie or TV series
1: has impacted you the most and why this doesn't have to be football-related? No, no, that's a very good question. Well, um, well, the movies that are based on uh, uh, true events. So uh, I don't know if you've ever watched a movie called uh, Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures was Hidden about figures. a group of uh, black American women Yep. Who were geniuses um, with figures, geniuses, and they helped launch uh, John Glenn into space. They they calculated the trajectory entry of the rocket uh, before computers, uh, yeah, and yeah. it was a brilliant story about uh, They were they were uh, weren't allowed to seg- they segregated from the main area at uh, Cape Canaveral. They had separate areas because they were black. Yeah, and in the end, uh, it was a fantastic movie that. John Glenn eventually said, I'm not going up there until the women, who they've named all the space centres after. It was a fantastic movie. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge, where uh, uh, that's a true story, about Desmond Doss, who uh, rescued people, was a conscientious objector, didn't want to fire a gun, but wanted to save people rather than kill people. And uh, there's a very quaint movie called uh, The The Fastest Indian in the World about a bloke who rode a motorbike uh, called um, Bert Munro. Played by Sir Anthony Hopkins, a New Zealander who broke the world speed record for a 50cc motorbike at uh, Bonville, the uh, Bonville Salt. So all those, uh, yeah, those uh, true stories. Good uh, entertainment for people in lockdown. Watch some of those shows. Yeah. But if you're one of the first, uh, the first um, movie I watched while I was travelling down the country selling hairdressing supplies, I hadn't seen this movie for. Uh, it had been out for about six months and I went down one day because I was on my own, went down to the local cinema in just and um, Jaws. And I'm um, sitting in uh, watching Jaws first time and uh, when the shark came out of the water at the back of the boat while the bloke was dealing out the uh, chuck out into the... I Actually, I know people say they nearly uh, soiled their underwear. I actually, um, actually soiled my underwear yeah. when the shark came out. <laughs> It frightened the living suitcase out of me so Who watching it with? I was watching on my own. I yeah. was just watching on There was a handful of people in the theatre because it had been out for six months and I'd never seen it. Yeah. And I don't think I was paying much attention. And when the dark came out, I honestly nearly, att- I'm telling you, I actually did. I think I actually soiled my underwear. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, next
0: one, favourite inspirational quote or life motto?
1: Ah, oh, yeah, inspirational quote. Well, I've said this before too, but I um um here. Uh, 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 yeah. Um so, I, I, I was asked when the millennium changed, when the century changed from 2000 to uh, from the 19th century to the 20th century, you know, the 20th century, what are we in the 21st century? I went mm-hmm. so in 2000, uh, they they oh, asked the world was going to get all they asked pe- they asked people um people of not celebrities, but people, they ask people of uh, identities in, in the our community here in Melbourne for uh, exactly that question, quotes, and I, this, well, I didn't make this up, but I saw this in a uh, somewhere, a book many years ago, yeah. and I've said this often before, but, but I think um, and it said this, um, many things in life catch your eye, but only a few things catch your heart. Pursue those. So don't worry about it. I only pursue things. So I, that's so that would be one of my um, favourite adages, and yeah. uh, never cry over things that can't cry over you. Yep. you prang your car, don't cry over it. Only if you can lose something that could cry over you, like a pet or another person. <laughs> there you go. Two. And uh, never waste time worrying about things you don't have any control over. The big three. The Walter, big three. That's
0: pretty relevant today's uh, world. Follow your heart. Don't uh, control the controllables and don't cry over anything that won't can't, cry over you, can't cry over you. That's right. Yeah. Ob- yeah. Objects. And, yeah, that's yeah. right. We will continue this episode in part two. In this episode we discuss Sammy's media career, how he started, and the ups and downs of working in the media. If you enjoyed this episode and a fan of the show, please remember to follow the podcast and even share with a mate.
1: Head over now to listen to episode two the Sammy of Sam interview.